Good evening and welcome to another edition of the JMU Sports Clog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. How you doing, Rob? All right. How's everybody out there doing? Uh, hopefully everyone's staying warm wherever you are. I think a lot of us uh, had a snow day or two the last couple of days. So we'll be talking about that a little bit tonight. Um, we are, as always, are brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Pale, in Pale Fire, Virginia. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Harrisonburg, Virginia. Um, go by the tap room in Harrisonburg anytime and mention the podcast and you'll get a free pint glass. We are going to be awarding a prize from Pale Fire next week or sometime in the next couple of weeks before Christmas. We are getting ready for a the prize may go to one of us. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we are, we're going to have a um, Christmas special for the podcast coming up. Probably going to record next week. We'll see if we air it next week, depending on how the coaching news goes. There's not much to talk about tonight. Um, but we're excited to have a couple guests, uh, one returning and one of our oldest, uh, I don't know, first people that discovered the blog many years ago. So I think we're going to have a good time with that. Looking forward to putting that out either next Monday or um, the weekend before Christmas. So that's going to be pretty fun. Tonight, we are going to kind of go around a few different things. We are going to touch briefly on the coaching search, which has not, to our knowledge, at this time, we're recording about 9 o'clock on Monday night. There has been no resolution to the search. I, I guess we don't anticipate any this evening. Right, Rob? I would, we thought we might be, yeah, I, I yeah. would. We thought we might be talking new coaches tonight. Uh, North Dakota State might a few be. people putting stuff. Can't, Kansas State probably. North Dakota yeah. State appears to be uh, in very much in the coaching yes. search business. Yes. It uh, looks like North Dakota State's coach is leaving for, um, did I see $2 million a year or something like that? At Kansas State? With a $200,000 annual raise. I mean, wow. that's, that's, a, that's a, you can't turn that no. down. No, you cannot. No, no um, that will be a, a tough gig following a legend in Bill Snyder out there, but certainly not, not, not something we don't, you know, it may work out for them. For oh, sure. he's up to the task. He's a great coach. Yeah. That, that's a good so. hire. So yeah, it looks like he'll be sticking around through the playoffs. Kansas state does things a little differently and they're obviously in a little better shape as a program. I think it's safe to say than East Carolina was in terms of having to move on that. But JMU is not alone in this folks. And uh, you never know, JMU may be stealing someone else's coach when the time comes here. So we're going to talk a little bit about the coach. We're going to talk um, – we're just really going to do a reset on both hoops teams tonight. We'll kind of go through women's hoops and then men's hoops quick. And then we've got uh, sort of one and a half little quick overtime things. So hopefully this will just be kind of a fun catch-up on where everything is as we head into the season when a lot of us don't have – either maybe we don't have time or maybe we have more time, depending yeah, exactly. on how we choose to spend it this time of year, right? Yeah. So, Rob, I don't have anything new on the coaching search. I, I, you know, there were some very, uh, I don't know, not positive. I don't mean to say not positive. Just no one serious is out there in social media or the media reporting on anyone in particular. Right? There were a few tweets about Drew Maringer from Texas today. We've talked about him before. He's certainly one of our favorite oh, candidates. But, but I got all excited um, for those tweets. I was like, oh, yeah, it's starting to build. And they weren't saying anything other than essentially confirming Medea's report. Like it, it wasn't right, that he's in the mix. Like, right. Oh, reports are. I was like, oh, reports. What's it like? Close to hiring him? No, just that he's being considered. I was like, oh, slow news week in Austin or wherever it was. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, it was right. exciting, but th that was not news at all. That was just catching up of things that were reported no. last week. And and I, I guess the one thing we I, we should say we said we weren't going to go through each of these guys, 
Um, my one thought as we've kind of gone along about this since, what was it, two weeks ago, we were talking about this in more depth was, um, you know, with Marringer, I think we'd all be both concerned and excited about the staff he would put together. Um, it would seem like a guy without head coaching experience that it would be very important to have quality people around him. Um, and, and some of, and that seems very possible given his connections to JMU and connections to the area and places he's worked, but who knows? Well, I thought um, that was an underrated element of Houston's tenure. I mean, I really don't want to keep talking about him. I, I probably the most, underrated. most underrated. Like, yeah. I, I don't think people, I guess, give him enough credit or credit. These, I don't know how you look at it, but in my mind, he was more one of those CEO type coaches that put together mm-hmm. a tremendous organization. I don't think he mm-hmm. was, nobody's going to confuse him for Bill Belichick or anything like that. He, he's not. <laughs> no, no, no. But no. maybe you Andy think of that, that 2016, that, that 2016 <laughs> staff was like a murderer's row of FCS coaches. Yes. When you got a guy like Brian Steinspring, and I know that name is kind of, that, that's a loaded name right now. But when you've got him coaching your offensive line, right. I mean, like that, that's a quality guy who knows the state, tremendous recruiter, you know, great relationships with everybody. But just for somebody who would, who would run, you know, Virginia Tech's offense for years just to step back and really get his hands dirty and be a position coach that's a mm-hmm. tremendous asset then obviously Bob Trot, you know we could talk about him and some of the other ones but it was a really outstanding staff and I'm not sure if we ever gave as much credit as really was due to, to that being kind of a, a team sport on the coaching side as well big time you know? yeah and that, that's going to be a big question for anybody who gets this job, I think. Um, JMU is left with only two coaches working out right now. was pretty pleased to see them making some home visits to recruits today. Uh, that's pretty good. Um, well, that's amazing. That, that's a tough job because I think – somebody can correct me. I'm sure Michael can jump in or, or one of our friends who's more knowledgeable. But I believe not only is signing day on the 19th, but I think it's a dead period. I don't think coaches can have any contact after Friday. Yeah, I don't know exactly how that works. And it's certainly, regardless of the whole period and everything, it's, um, you know, this is probably our, I, I don't know what to say on this. It's, it's our biggest fear if JMU waits any longer. I, I really thought yesterday or today we might have a little more smoke than, than what we've seen. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think, it, you know, JMU's coach, I mean, the search seems very locked down compared to the rumors we see out of other places or that we have even seen out of JMU in the past. Um, and that's not a bad thing in terms of the process of the search, but I, I really hope we're not sitting here next Monday, you know, and don't know. Um, well, particularly given really... the news with climate today, um, that's, that's one yeah. of the four remaining coaches who now it's known he's moving on. So I right. think a lot of JMU fans are kind of waiting to see like, Oh, you know, what's going to happen with Maine? I, I guess it's in some sense, respectful. Yeah. The main ones are, but yeah. It, just make the call, you know, if, if it's going yeah. away, like, and if the timing isn't going to work out, it isn't going to work out. But I don't think you can have somebody just hang on until after the FCS playoffs are done. You can't just sit by till January 5th or 6th or whatever it is and, and say, oh, we'll be patient. I mean, it comes a point where it's like, hey, if it ain't going to work out, man, tough, good luck to you in the future, but we got to move. Well, and this is funny because I think the two names that everybody at this point is talking about the most, whether they're right or wrong, are Maringer and Brian Steinspring. Right. And if it's one of those two guys, what are we waiting on? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the bowl preparation for a power five team is not dependent on the wide receivers coach. Um, and, and certainly not the kind of pressure or the type of program abandonment people worry about when a 
coaches going through the FCS playoffs and Steinspring's not doing anything that we're aware of right no, now. No, I mean, so, you think like yeah, Saban I mean, let Lane Kiffin go uh, right, right before the championship last That's time. Right. Like, I, I, just, I don't think, yeah. no, and, and Texas is playing in a, you know, fairly meaningless, I mean, that may not feel like that to them, but I mean, to their fans, it's a big deal, but to the rest of us, it, it doesn't really matter in terms of no, their season at this point. It's not like Harris Simiak coaching at Maine in the FCS semis this weekend. Uh, congrats to Maine, by the way. Good to see one of the CAA teams. Yeah, that was impressive far, huh? and nice to see. You know, after, after kind yeah. of a, the conference got beaten up a little bit in the in the court of public opinion, so it was nice to see Maine really take take somebody to the woodshed and do the conference yeah. crowd. Um, I don't know. Did you watch any of the Colgate ND, NDSU game? I did, yeah. I mean, there wasn't much to say. No, right? I mean, Colgate was fraudulent. Sour, call us sour grapes all you want, but that team was not good. I'm not saying JMU would have beaten North Dakota State, but – Man, that that was no contest. No, Colgate really they 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 you know the Fargo Dome I thought kind of got to them in the first half. They really weren't, you know, that game didn't get away from them until after the first drive after the half. Yeah. But they really missed some opportunities and had some penalties and some just boneheaded plays in the first half that you wouldn't think would would be like Colgate. Um, yeah, I mean they seemed like they had some chances in the first half to kind of throw a few punches and they never did. And then it just NDSU did what they do and they're rolling. So NDSU, SDSU in the one semi and Maine going to Eastern Washington to the red turf on Saturday. Yes. Worst field in college football. Oh, it's just hard to watch on television too. Like it's funny because the Boise turf doesn't bother me as bad watching on TV. No, but but the red red is is really hard. It's really hard to watch a football game. Yeah. So we talked about Maringer. I don't know if you got anything else to say about Steinspring. Well, um, those two, I think, uh, kind of where they are, right? Yeah, I, I was really kind of – I'll say I just thought of anti-Steinspring, the last two. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little more open to it this time. I, I, still, I, I still think maybe you go a different direction. I do think there's merit to taking, taking somebody certainly who's an up-and-comer, you know, Maringer, whatever, mm-hmm. the Sean McVay-type comparisons, whether or not they're valid. I get that. Like, let's get this young, bright – motivated guy that can really connect with players. Well, Steinsring can connect with players too. You're not a good recruiter if you, unless you can. Right. Um, but I do think there's something to be said for a guy who could view this as kind of like the capstone achievement of his career. You know, he's done a lot of other things and maybe just wants to get a shot of being a head coach, wants to do it as all the modern. Um, I mm-hmm. think he's a guy that could put together a very impressive staff mm-hmm. and maybe just kind of be that, that overall manager type. Um, it is a little bit concerning for a lot of fans and i guess this is where i was last time it's mm-hmm. like why is a guy who was that successful for so long you know why didn't he ever get a head coaching gig but i'm gonna chalk that up to just loyalty to beamer i, I think a lot of people say the same thing about bud foster you know he had opportunities mm-hmm. and for all we know Steinspring could have left and maybe not for a head coaching job but could have gone and been a coordinator for another another guy other than beamer and then gone someplace um mm-hmm. and, and i i get the criticism that you know he went from there and kind of took a step down to JMU and was a position coach and then he's at Maryland kind of bouncing around but mm-hmm. I think a lot of that's circumstantial like I'm I'm really much more open to it um he he had a lot yeah. of really good offenses for a while at Virginia Tech and then when things went bad they kind of spiraled and he didn't really recover but that happens anywhere I mean they're good coaches who their message just stops resonating after a while or, or you get just a couple players that don't click with it and, um I don't know. So, like, I'm much more open to it. And I was 
I was so against it. Now it's almost embarrassing to think of. I think you were too, Todd. Like we were like, I was very much. Like, oh, stay extremely. away, stay away. And I think I, I don't think the head coach like having. Why did you not get a job? I mean, those guys make a good living. They make a great the assistance at Virginia Tech in the heyday, right? And, so and for all I know, I mean, he was got along well with with Beamer and Bud Foster. Like, why would you right. want to break up that? trio if you're one of those guys right there's a reason trot and kirkpatrick are going to yeah. greenville south Car- or greenville north carolina yeah right now. exactly you know um, yeah but, and so it, they enjoy the people they work and with so and, now yeah. he's in a position where he says you know what now i actually do want this job and based on mm-hmm. you know what his players are saying in some of the articles it certainly seems like he's putting a bug in and some people close to him and say hey man see what you can do get my name out there um yeah i don't know that maybe i'm just a sap like thinking that maybe yeah. That kind of matters to me. Somebody who's really excited about this job, and he's not the type of guy who's going to up and go. If he wanted to go be a coordinator or something, he's he's been there, done that. He could go work on another, you know, P five staff if he wanted to. He's going to have opportunities. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's hard. We said, I mean, I, we don't mind being the cradle of coaches and keeping, be continuing to be a springboard, but he's a guy who might, you know, if successful, might stick around longer. Um, in that position too. And that's not, a, shouldn't be a negative. Necessarily. No, I mean, just with his ability you know? to recruit yeah, and, you know, an eye for talent, the experience that he's had, he's coached with a lot of different coaches. I think he could bring in a good, a pretty good staff. So I'm open to it. As uh, long as he brings an offensive coordinator, I don't want his late era tech. No, I, I, agree. So, yeah. I guess that's, it's good. You said that. Cause I was assuming he would just take yeah. over and be more the Houston type. Like he's going to put it right. all together and get the guys and assemble the staff and really right. drive the direction in terms of recruiting and talent kind of acquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not like lobbying for the guy, but I, I feel kind of silly because a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh, this is exciting. And now that it's happening, this sucks. This is not exciting at all. This is just sitting around no. and wait. It's like being, it's like sitting there in the airport and your, and your flight continues to get delayed. Like there's right. nothing to do now. There's nothing to read. Nobody's leaking mm-hmm. anything. This isn't like a big time, job where you've got agents who have connections with you know different reporters and right, you know, right, right. No, nobody's calling pat 40 there's no woge bombs coming here you know um Medea's doing a very good job keeping breast with but nobody's talking and it's not like he's got a rolodex or anybody's rolodex of like oh let's call you know all the big time agents and get them on the front he's moving right. there just aren't that many people that are in the know in this situation and, um, no, and and there should be. No, I mean, that's good job, JMU. Too. Yeah, and and look at yeah. last time. I mean, I had never heard Withers' name before. No, ever and when he was no. hired. Houston, we did hear. You know, we had some people rumbling. Some other, some Citadel Just fans said stuff, but late. wait, yeah. but that was kind of out of nowhere. He was not amongst the front runners. He wasn't even in any of these preliminary lists, the likes of no. which we're seeing now. So, right, part of me still thinks that the smart bet is to take the field. Yeah, you know? yeah, and then it could so. be I, just somebody completely out of out of nowhere. Yeah, the other two names I think are worth mentioning. I, we've already beyond. I mean, we've talked. We talked about Signetti the first week that that there doesn't seem to be much smoke there lately. The guy from Elon. Um, there's been a lot of joking back and forth about the Kennesaw State coach. I think both of us are um, are leery of. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to trash a guy and then have him be the head coach, but I think we're leery of that for various reasons. Um, I think first and foremost for both those guys is building a program from like nothing to something is not really a qualification that is needed at JMU. Um, 
you know. I also think so, I, I don't, with his background, I think he's a very good coach. We're talking about Bohannon. Yeah, yeah, Bohannon. Good coach. Yeah. He's done a very good job at Kennesaw State. I think you make a very valid point about the type of skills required to start up a program are totally different to kind of push one over the finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know people will point to Houston running the option at the Citadel, but mm-hmm. if you look at, at Bohannon, I mean, he, he's part of that. Paul, no, he came from Paul, Paul Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. I mean, this is maybe he'll change. But Houston had run it for a couple of years. It wasn't like Houston went back and was from this kind of, you know. No, no, the, no. It, it's, it's like, this, he's like a knuckleballer. Like, he ain't going to come and, start, yeah, and yeah. start throwing, you know, cut fastball. I think this is what it is. And that works yeah. fine at Kennesaw State. It helps in a startup type situation where you mm-hmm. might maybe don't have the talent. But right. JMU doesn't even run the option. JMU, has, no. has, JMU is the type of team that you run the option against to make up for the lack of athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if he gets it great. We'll be supportive, but I've got a lot of reservations about that one along the same time. Like I'm happy for Charlotte. I think they've handled their business and moved on. They got a guy they wanted. I was mm-hmm. not very high on Healy. Um, no, but, same, I mean, I, I hope he does well. He seems like a nice guy. Mm-hmm. It's a great story, but that wasn't that, that, that deep of a resume compared to some of these other names that we're hearing. Right. And then the two new names, I mean, bantered around the media the last week or two that are intriguing to me that I think we didn't mention two weeks ago when we first did this were George Barlow, who is Mickey's former defensive coordinator and is currently an assistant at NC state right now. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, that's a name I had kind of forgotten, but certainly um, seems to be qualified and is, is a guy that I, you know, thinking back on it now um, certainly have warm memories of. Uh, and then the other guy is this guy that Medea reported on that I had never heard of, this Drew Cronich guy from Lenore Rhine. Um, oh, who's a very sim- Cron- young yeah. guy. Yeah, very very similar Houston-type uh, background. I mean, coming from the same school. He's been 34-5 and five at D2 Lenore Rhine. Uh, that's not – you know, that's kind of – I don't know. I mean, that's intriguing to me. Like, I'd never heard of the guy. I don't know anything about it. But um, that's not an easy place to win either. So, uh, you know. I don't know. I don't know the first thing about – I really don't know a ton about those guys in terms of what they would bring in the way that I feel like I have some sense of what Steinspringer, Maringer, you know, what kind of energy, what they'd be like at press conference, what type of coaches they'd be looking to put around them. I don't know anything about these two guys, but they're on Medea's list this week and worth mentioning. So I don't know if you have any – I don't think there's much else to say no, there, right, No, there's Rob? not. I mean, we'll just kind of wait and see. Um, yeah, I'll be excited. I will be excited when, when we get somebody and we start to see it come together. But right now, I was dead wrong. This is not exciting at all. This is excruciatingly boring. <laughs> it's awful, yeah. and it's that, that that clock. I mean, we're I don't know. It'll, most people listen to this on the eleventh. We'll be eight days from signing day, and like you said, maybe six days from the dead period. Yeah, let's Woo. go, dudes. Yeah, let's get yeah. on. Yeah, so we're going to transition. I just want to do a quick. Rob, you mind if we start with women's hoops? No, go ahead. All right. Um, the women's team is six and two overall. They are four and zero at the convo, two and two on the road. I think it's worth mentioning they have wins over Georgetown, George Washington, and a really valuable sort of not RPI. What's it called now? Net, net rate, yeah. net type win over uh, Dayton out of the A10. So I, just listening to people who cover the sport, they seem to say that could be a valuable, you know, or at least a, a signal, a signifying win for JMU. Um, don't know much about that. They have one really bad loss to Hampton, and they had the loss over the weekend to Maryland. I don't think that means much one way or another. It was a good opportunity to play a big dog. Um, 
they they have actually kind of an interesting schedule. They play down here in my neck of the woods this Monday at Wake Forest. Um, unfortunately, it's an 11 a.m. game. I have to think that's like the uh, local middle school reading day game or something. It's got to be something like that. I, like what is going on? They play uh, former JMU assistant, uh, the St. John's head coach. They play uh, St. John's before the break. So that's been a game they've struggled with the last few years. St. John's a pretty good program that's been in the tournament quite a bit. Um, the name of the coach is slipping my mind, but a former Kenny Brooks assistant. Of Tarda. So, yeah, yeah Tarda, Joe Tarda 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 yeah. 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 So, and then interestingly enough, I mean, we're going to kind of, that's about it for JMU. I think they have one other game. They have basically three games left at the end of the year. But when they come out of New Year's, we're going to be talking football and kind of all recovering from the holidays. And they lead off into CAA play with two of the biggest games of the season. They go to Delaware on January 4th, and they go to Drexel on January 6th. Um, that's about as, you know, that's one way to start to start the conference play right there. So, Well, that's why you play you know, a game like they did on Saturday against Maryland. I mean, it, it, exactly. Even in the loss, and uh, I believe one of the freshmen, I think, had a really, really nice Yeah, I was going to say, Madison Green yeah. is the freshman who's really kind of come on for them at the guard spot. That's really helping them a bit. Yeah, kind of going through the lineup, I mean – Smalls has been what we hope would be, which is the leading scorer and kind of the number one option. Uh, Kelly Kashuda, the good news this year is they're getting really consistent minutes from her. She's playing over 20 minutes a game this year and second leading scorer just all around. Really good to see her kind of fully healthy and fit and really contributing consistently. Uh, Coach, o, Coach O told us in the preseason, Rob, about Jackie Benitez. Yeah. Yeah, and she's definitely launching some threes. She's leading the team in threes, also leading the team in three-point attempts. But clearly, he was right about getting her involved and having her as a shooter. And Kayla Cooper-Williams, no surprise at all, just dominant on the glass. And, and really, they're and not to say their only rebounder. I mean, Kashuna chips in a little bit. But they really, you know, Cooper-Williams is really, really important to them. I mean, her and Kamaya Smalls are probably the two most – I don't know where they'd be without them. Um, but a good, good, you know, solid start. I think pretty close to what we'd expect at six and two playing well at home. I mean, one good win, one bad loss. That's not much else to say. I don't think so. Hopefully the women can keep it up. It'd be nice to steal one of these games from Wake or St. John's. Those are two good opponents. They're playing here before the end of the year, but I think a split in those and getting out of the, you know, if they get out of this year at eight and three, as they head into conference play, they, I would bet that they'd feel pretty good about where they are. So, um, good for the women. Rob, I know the men's team is seven and five. They are four and one at home, two and three on the road, and one and one on a neutral court. Um, they have what? They have one surprisingly good win over Radford. Um, well, a Radford team that was receiving votes in the top 25 I mean, at the time. It, it seems kind of bizarre. It's, team. it's, kind, of, it's yes. kind of odd to say like, oh, you know, they beat Radford. But I was really excited about that. And, and then they turn around and but like, you got to see them play. Yeah, like, first of all, just Radford. The idea that Radford <laughs> is uh, – not knocking them, but that's a school that no, doesn't them. have yes. much of a history, doesn't have much in the way of resources, plays in kind of, uh, you know – a nothing, it's a nothing a, conference. Yeah. No, um, really. I mean, they they would love to be in the CAA, but they're better than any CAA team this year. They've knocked off what Notre Dame and Texas, a couple of real good mm-hmm. wins, like you said. They were getting top twenty-five votes, and then JMU goes and, and beats them. And yeah. 
I don't. It, it says a lot about the state of college basketball and the state of JMU that, you know, beating Radford. That's close to the high point of the Lou Rero era. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really it's, funny. My coworkers here at UNCG were like, "Jamie beat Radford because we're yeah. playing Radford next week," and everybody was kind of looking forward to this. Yeah, you know, kind of mid-major top twenty-five. Like, if there is a mid-major top twenty-five, and both Radford and UNCG are in there, and I think people were getting excited about this game down here. And they were like, whoa, Radford lost to JMU. What happened? Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> and JMU came back. I mean, it was actually a pretty exciting finish. Like, I was kind of determined yeah. not to watch it after the Coppin State game. I was just like, I, I got to hit pause, you know, and, mm-hmm. and stay away from this stuff for a while after that, you know, the weekend of soccer losing and football losing. And I was like, oh. And then I, I got drawn in. And I ended up watching the last 10 minutes. And it was really yeah. exciting. It was fun. They played hard. They closed. They hit their free throws. It was just like everything about it was what you want to see from a young team. You're like, okay, could the beat starting to turn the corner? And then this got me motivated to actually go out and get tickets for last Friday night's game at George Mason. I took my youngest son, James, who's eight. It was his first, first JMU game. My uh, older son, Sam has been to many games. He's never seen JMU win, um, (laughs) which is kind of, he's only 10. What do you expect? He had had a lot of good years. Stay in the program. Um, And it was just, it was just disappointing. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. want to make too much of it. It's only one game. But one thing that I think is an absolutely fair criticism of this team under Rowe is despite the fact that he has at times, you know, had the team look very good and he has unquestionably elevated the level of talent, this team can't win back-to-back games. No. You know, they just really, really struggle coming off wins. Um, I think Bennett has the newsletter this morning. I read it someplace um, where it's – I mean, they've got a terrible record coming off wins and so you you've got these high points and then it's right back down and not only did they lose but they lost in kind of a deflating fashion um yeah it was it was an old ca rock fight type game in the first half Mm -hmm. you know neither team was shooting great i think it was 29 26 like jamie went down went into the half down three but there were some bright spots you know uh stucky mosley matt lewis were scoring banks was was hurt with some foul trouble but they still were hanging in there. It was okay. It was like kind of a competitive game. Not, tr- not like lights out shooting, but it still was decent. Both teams were just terrible after the break. I mean, uh, yeah. I think Jamie shot like 26% or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was just absolutely atrocious. Mason wasn't much better, but they won going away. Um, yeah. I, yeah, it's really frustrating. I mean, Jamie lost by a combined 38 points to George Mason in Old Dominion over the course of that week. Yeah. And uh, that's certainly a frustrating thing when you get those opportunities. And really lay those kind of eggs. Well, it's just the, the poor yeah. shooting. Some of it was just, you know, it, you had a little of the basket. It's not your day. But other times it was like it, the difference was apparent. Mason's got a point guard who's pretty good. And he goes to the hole. And you can tell by the way he plays. If you're somebody who watches basketball, particularly somebody who's excited about the point guard position like you and I tend to focus on, mm-hmm. he goes and he's, he's making decisions as he's moving. It's like when mm-hmm. he gets the ball and he made a move, it wasn't like he's – He's going to shoot. He would go and, you know, guys would drop. They'd kind of make a decent defensive play, but then he'd dish it or he'd go to the hole. Um, Matt Lewis, for all his talent, when he's going mm-hmm. to the hole, he's going to the, he's going to the hole. And, and, right, and it right. doesn't matter. It's just like as good as he is, he becomes much easier to defend when you know, like, it doesn't matter if, if Jack Jacobs' man leaves, if, you know, Dwight Wilson's man leaves. He ain't giving him the damn ball. Right. And that can be very good at some times. You know, we've seen him make some big shots. He had a great step back three against Radford. Um, he pulled a couple shots kind of out of thin air on, on Friday night. But even my son was like, ooh, that wasn't a good shot, but it went in. You know, like it's just, it's, 
that you like that killer instinct, but you uh-huh. also would like him maybe setting guys up for the easy baskets. Um, mm-hmm. Mosley's a little better about it, but they run a very ineffective offense when things get bad. It's like everybody goes back to the idea of like trying to be the alpha dog, mm-hmm. um, but it's bizarre. They, they run that, I think, I can't even tell. I think they're trying to run that like four out offense, like Jay Rick, mm-hmm. where you've got the high screens, but they're these half-hearted screens. And because they never dish the ball to the guy who rolls, again, it's mm-hmm. incredibly easy to defend. You know, the yeah. whole point of that is you need to make those passes, keep the defense honest. But they just get situations where you can just drop two guys in our guards and the guards are never going to pass it off. So it's really it, – it's frustrating. It, it's about as frustrating as, as I've seen a Jamie basketball team in years because there is talent there. Matt Lewis is tremendously yeah. talented. Stucky Mosley is awesome. You know, Darius Banks, Dwight Wilson. I, I love Zach Jacobs' game. I wish he'd be a little more aggressive, maybe a little more selfish at times. Mm-hmm. because, again, it's very difficult. He's he's one of the guys setting the high screens. You know he's not going to shoot. I think he attempted, I don't know, two two field goals the other night. Um, mm-hmm. It's just tough. Like, he's if you don't have any threat to shoot. That's what I'm saying. I mean, just the lack of a knockdown three-point shooter yeah. really stalls the offense. Really does. Really does. When they can you get another a, team, you need like, like a, the Radford game. You need a stretch when they can, You do. And when they can get a team into a rock fight, they have the athletes and the talent. Yeah to kind of match that up, but they don't have the shooter to stretch the defense and open things up for an offense that already can be a little bit stagnant. At times. Particularly. And then what, like if banks or one of them goes down with, with foul trouble, forget yeah. about it. It just becomes yeah. like, okay, let's all run around. We're going to have Phillips and banks set screens and hustle and, you know, do all those things. But then it's basically going to be Lewis and Mosley trying to work for shots. Mm-hmm. And, and I like those guys. I mean, they're really fun to watch play. But, man, I think Lewis was like 7 for 22 mm-hmm. the other night. He was putting up a lot of shots. And you can't blame him. I mean, like I'm saying, you know, when he says he's going to go, he's going. But if there's nothing else to do, great. Um, you'd like to see him dish a little more. But it doesn't look like guys are really – some guys don't look like they want the ball. And some guys don't look like they want to shoot, I guess, is the bigger shoot. problem. Yeah, that's concerned. I, I do like Deshaun Parker. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. watch him. He's the freshman point guard. He plays with a lot of poise. Um, uh-huh. He's not getting a ton of shots. I think he's just fine as one of the offense, but he looks like the type of guy who could develop into, into a pretty good facilitator. And he's mm-hmm. got a decent shot. You know, he, he could keep him honest. He would at least he took a couple threes enough that they had to come out and guard him. So I was very encouraged by him. But yeah, they just need somebody who can who can spot up and shoot. Particularly if they could get a big that could operate, mm-hmm. they could hit a shot from. I mean, you don't even need to shoot threes. Ideally, you don't need a, like a Luka Doncic or something. But if you could have a big man who could shoot from 15 feet out, it would at least keep the defense honest. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, they go. They have one more out-of-conference game. They're off this week. Um, probably good with all the snow. They go to Fordham next, late next week. And then they, they open up CIA play before the, before the new year. Yeah, so, they're going to have. Complete. Yeah, big road trip to start the season. They go to William & Mary on the 28th. And they come down here. I will get to see them on Sunday the 30th down here at Elon. So well, I, looking forward I, to that. I, mean, I, I think they could be one of those teams that, that knocks off one of the top teams in the CAA. But yeah. they could follow it up with a loss to anybody. You know, it's just they're going to be inconsistent. But as we saw last week, like when they were playing well against Radford, it was really fun when things are flowing. But, man, when mm-hmm. things don't go their way, it's just you can't even tell what offense they're running. It just looks like a pickup yeah. ball. Yeah, we'll see how the league shapes out. I, I don't know. I mean, we know Charleston's going to be good. We know, you know, a couple teams 
right? Are going right to be good Foreman this year, will be but, good at Hofstra. Um, yeah, but I'm not convinced about UNCW yet. No, not at all. You know, um, I mean, William & Mary's always a bugaboo for JMU. They have a really good player, but they're so dependent on hitting shots. Northeastern's already got some injury concerns. Right, yeah. So I, No, I it's, still I, I just, it's still there. It's still there, and they've got talent. Like, if they can get it yep. together – they get some confidence. They can win some ball games. Um, yeah, but man, it's it's still frustrating. It's like two steps. It's put up or shut up. It's time two for steps them. forward, one step back. Well, yeah, and they and like I said, they open at William and Mary at Elon. Then they're home for UNCW and College of Charleston, right after like right after New Year's before the students come back. Um, we'll have a real good sense of the team after that four game stretch to open conference. Yeah, play, we certainly will. Yeah. So two quick overtimes. We're just going to give a quick shout out. Thank you to everybody who sent us things today. Um, one was our best snow day tradition. Rob, I didn't know if you had anything particular, but I realized one thing yesterday. You know, we've done our favorite beers before. Mm-hmm. And the outside post shoveling beer after shoveling snow <laughs> is one that I had totally never thought. Oh, of no, that, that is. And I was like, this is a quality beverage right here. <laughs> You that know? is, yeah, that that's solid. I'm 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 still a big hot chocolate fan, but maybe a little bourbon in it won't hurt. Um, yeah, it is the one time I feel like when I have a snow day is when I have the time to like break out the French press and like really go nuts with the coffee yeah. in the morning. And and I think we all probably love taking our dog for a walk in the snow. Yeah, um, it's a pretty good time. Yeah. But yeah, those were the things we we're thinking. But we we really want to talk about tonight is uh, Rob. Do you know who sent us this one? It was uh, Patrizzi, uh, wasn't it? Sean yeah, Patrizzi. So. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, barbecue, sides for barbecue. And, and just because it's Sean, we need to make a point. Barbecue being a food, not an activity. He is with, he is with us on that, you know, being super. Yeah. That, that is a hill we all die on. And Sean is mm-hmm. right there with us every time this. Yeah, he's a Carolina guy. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, he's, yeah, he's a Carolina fan. I think he grew up in Richmond. Fan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But from a UNC Chapel Hill it, family. Yes. Yeah. I think he understands his cue. Yeah. So, so he, he threw right. out. He said barbecue sides, you know, our favorite ones. And he said, obviously, Hush Puppies are number one after that. And I got to take, no! take exception to that right away. Yeah, that's right. And again, Todd, I guess this is where you and I kind of grew up on that dividing line of, you know, mid-Atlantic, south, whatever. To me, I yeah. love Hush Puppies, but I, I associate Hush Puppies more with picking crabs than me I too. do with, yeah. with barbecue. Any kind of, like, seafood type yeah. thing. I mean, yeah. like, we, we, yeah, have, we have Hush Puppies up in New England. Like, we go to, yeah. you know, get get stuffies and stuff like that they'll come with yeah with, so i i have a uh you know somewhere deep in an old resume is a server at awful arthur's and egg said yes for me right and we serve two or three hush puppies with every dish yeah, <laughs> yeah. we go to this yeah. place flows up in rhode island and it's just it's like a clam in not like it is a clam shock and it's just yeah. all fried whatever whatever you want they'll mm-hmm. fry it for you and that's where you get really good hush puppies there so i like hush puppies so mm-hmm. good on you sean they're awesome, yeah. but I don't think of that as a barbecue side, or certainly not exclusive okay. of barbecue. No. And here's another question on the exclusive side thing. Do you consider slaw a side, or is that just assumed that, that goes, like you're getting coleslaw with your barbecue? I was going to say that. Like, I, I think coleslaw is kind of, I don't know. It's, it's like a hybrid. Uh, right. I, Between, so, like side and, and topping just part of and you're assuming yes, yes and topping. so i don't yeah. count that that's just that's like just its own thing that's like saying sauce is a side it's just something right. i mean i'm gotta have i'm gonna have slaw yes. i'm gonna order slaw with my barbecue i just don't think of that as one of the two i'm gonna choose as a side no right? it's not it's not yeah. a meat and two yeah. option i never ordered right. from there 
And most good barbecue places will throw it on top of your sandwich anyway and not count it. Yes. So, no, not a side. Yes. Okay. But what, what's your what's your top one or one of your top three? Um, yeah, I mean, the two, I'm always going to go greens and beans for me. Um, I'm slightly anti-mac and cheese. I know there are some people that get all excited about mac and cheese. I just think of that as its own entree, not, not as a side. So any kind of, you know, collard greens and baked beans are probably the two I personally would gravitate towards. Well, those would be two of my faves as well. And particularly collard greens. Okay. Like, I like them really vinegary. Mm-hmm. And then either dousing them with hot sauce or even better, when you get like, you go to those barbecue joints that just have the hot pepper vinegar. You know, it's on the table. Oh, it's got yeah. vinegar, all the, like, yes. Generic, whatever peppers, whatever they had. That's great. Mm-hmm. Obviously baked beans. I love the baked beans where they have the pork mixed in with them. Or like a little bit of pork fat. But I'll go, I'll, I'll add one. Brunswick stew. Is that, just, is that yeah. just a Georgia thing? That was the big one. No, that is a huge North Carolina thing, actually. Okay. Down here, everyone talks, this is Brunswick stew time of year. Okay. And every church has, like, Brunswick stew available for takeout, basically. Mm-hmm. They have a day when it's ready. And people are like, oh, when is your church doing Brunswick stew? It's a very odd thing. I was not aware of this. but Because yeah. that was the big one. There was a barbecue joint around the corner for me in, in Atlanta. And they were kind of famous for their Brunswick stew. And quite honestly, it's better than the barbecue. Mm-hmm. But I never see that up here. I didn't know if that was just like a Georgia thing or I guess it's not. But I'll go with that. But definitely collard greens, baked beans for me. I actually do like mac and cheese. That's okay. one of my yeah. favorites. No. But then yeah. the barbecue joint in my neighborhood has cheesy grits, which are the best. Oh, they're, that's They're a good the one. best grits ever. Like even it's one of those things like we'll bring it to cookouts. We'll go and, you know, whatever. You bring over beer, wine. But then we'll pick up like a quart of grits and everybody's like i don't want grits mm-hmm. and then they're the first thing gone anytime we go to they're uh. amazing like they're not good for you yeah. it's like pounds of butter like mounds of cream cheese and cheddar <laughs> but so I'll go, I'll go cheesy grits since you took baked beans and collard greens well that's a good wrap for tonight um i hope we have a coach to talk about next week rob i don't know if we'll do a emergency pod if we get a coach this week we'll we'll have to see what our schedules where they take us this week um, but we will definitely, we, or at least we really, I mean, assuming there's a coach, we'll be talking about them next Monday. Yeah. Uh, and if there's not, we'll be doing the Christmas pod next Monday, but more than likely we'll be talking coach and recording next Monday. And then we'll have a Christmas special for you the following week. So it's good to talk to you as always, Rob. Um, hopefully we'll have a little more to talk about and hopefully both hoops teams can, uh, pick up the pace heading into the break. Yeah, I certainly hope so. But a lot of potential for both of right. them. Yeah. Talk to you next week, Rob. See you guys.